You're, it's me, Good Looking Lee. This is the Dang Me Later podcast. Have a good guest with me today. Introduce yourself. Hi, I'm Dr. Racine Renee Henry. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you crazy. Uh, how you doing? I'm you doing good? good. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming. Of course. Thank you, so much. Thank you for we having me. We went through a little, little hiccup, but we got it. That's all right. We, we it figured done. it out. Yeah, how, how's your day been? My day has been pretty good. Okay. Nothing too crazy. My daughter's a little sick. She was throwing up. But I'm sorry to hear right. that. She's perfectly fine. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> she needs Yo. to be a little sick to slow her ass down a little Yo. bit. <laughs> How's your daughter? She's four. Oh, my god. Going goodness. on 55. Yeah. That's really how it feels. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so sweet. That's the that's the tender age where they still like, oh, my God. I don't know about what. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. She's not tender. She's a, she's a beast. Maybe she's I just... feel that way because they're not mine. <laughs> no, I mean, of course, she, you know, she's cute. She's sweet. But she's a beast. Like, I think she's been here before. She just, mm. she's she's dope. I'm just in awe of her at all times. That's so sweet. Is is, is it just one kid for you? Oh, yes. She's oh. not making a good case for another one <laughs> at all. <laughs> Yo. Really Yo, is it true that when they do that, like, head down between their legs thing, they want a partner? They, well, I've, not a partner, a sibling? I've heard that. And when they're in the crib with their butt in the air. Yeah. Um, she's asking for a baby brother mm. who's brown like her. Mm. She's very specific. I like that. Yeah. I don't I like know what other that. colors thought he, thought he was going to be, but, <laughs> you know, she says a lot of crazy things. But, sure, go for it. <laughs> I like that. I was the one that was constantly asking for siblings. I was, yeah. I was, I was the first. I was like, yo, what's up with it? What's, <laughs> what's up with it? Where's the rest of them? And her father's always like, I don't know. What are, you, what are you talking about? Then they came, and it was nice. The, the waking up in the middle of the night, mm, you put some headphones in, it's fine. Then they started walking. It was lit. <laughs> One of my little sisters, she never even let people sit next to me. She used to come in the middle. That's now. Really sweet. Then they then they get old. Then they get friends. Anybody could just get next to me. Right. My little sister She's just over be you like, now. She don't care. <laughs> She's done. The other day, she was like, you know, I'm trying to talk to my friend. I'm talking to you though. Like, <laughs> she be making me feel out the loop. So they, I think, I think I'm, I'm stuck to when they still got the cute. Like, right. Oh, that's so cute. Because right. now I, I be like. Your cute face is over. Why did you do that? Like, no, I think if we had another one, I would finally have like a friend because she leaves me for her father all the time. She's Aww. always like, Mommy, you can't come. Me and Daddy only. <laughs> oh, this is my daddy. You can't touch him. Kids are you know? mean, boy. Yeah. So, you know, tell me about yourself. How how did how did you get to where you are today? Um, I always knew I wanted to be a doctor. I've always wanted to be called doctor since I was a little kid. I don't wow. know why I thought that was so cool. I just did. I originally thought it would be a medical doctor. You know, I wanted to be a pediatrician because I loved little kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I took physics in high school, and I was like, yeah, so this is not going to work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, that's not going to happen in college. And um, I just started Holy doing Holy shit. I'm sorry. You, okay. I took physics. Did I? I did. They they couldn't keep me in that class. No, no. It was so quick. I don't. I, I had to think about it until you said it. I forgot. It was so quick. Like it felt like I came in and left. Like they was like, it's not gonna. I didn't even enroll in college. I was just like, I'm not even gonna do it to myself. <laughs> it was so bad that my physics teacher at the end of the year in high school he gave out awards, and he gave me two pieces of double mint gum for sticking it out. Wow. That's literally how bad physics was for me. Wow. Um, so I just started doing psychology. You know, I think everybody defaults to psychology as a major. Mm-hmm. And then um, I wasn't doing good in college. I My grades were horrible because I was just partying. I was there for the social life. I was there for, I was wanting track too, but mm-hmm. um, I was just there to, I thought college would be like, you know, this college experience I kept trying to have for myself. And I had that and it was fun. And then somewhere around junior year I realized that I could take three more classes and have two majors because you can overlap some courses with psychology and sociology mm-hmm. and graduate two majors so I'm like oh that's that's it I'll do two majors so in um, psycho- sociology 101 we had a section on the family and marriage and that just stuck out to me really really strongly and I remember meeting with the sociology supervisor and he was like, you should look into being a magic family therapist. You know, some states are making divorces now more of a process where you have to go to therapy for two years before you could file. So he really opened my eyes to this being even a field or a career or a thing, you know. And so I started researching it. And um, I always like to do things that are the right way, quote unquote. So like the the certified way or the licensed way or the, you know, accredited way. The legal way. <laughs> 
Um, so I found this whole American Associ- American Association for Marriage and Family Therapy as like a board, and they had accredited graduate schools. And so I'm like, oh, I'm only going to an accredited school because that just makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I applied to a few, went to Valdosta State University in, in Valdosta, Georgia. I did my homework mm-hmm. on you. You did? <laughs> Were you saying Valdosta? Yeah. yeah. Everybody yeah. does. <laughs> and literally from the first day, I was like, this is it. I'm good. This is where I need to be. Because I thought that magic family therapy was going to be about feelings and talking about love and romance. And it was like, no, there's a science behind how we communicate as people. There's a science behind how we solve problems and how we don't solve problems. And what are so, you talking about? <laughs> what are you talking about? Is I don't know how much time you have, nah, but um, there's a science. There's a there's there's a whole so marriage and family therapy is not an under the umbrella of psychology sociology. It's its own field. It stands by itself, and it's different from psychology and sociology in that we're trained to look at things in a systemic relational way. Okay. So. People think that I see couples and families all day long, but in reality, most of my clients are individual people. But our approach to it is that if you come in as Lee, I'm going to want to know who you live with, who your friends are, who you grew up with, how you see yourself as a black woman in New York, in America, um, what kinds of relationships you had in your life, friendships, whomever, because we believe that we're all a part of all these different systems. So I have to know how your problem, whatever that is, mm-hmm. shows up in these systems. That way the solution can fit all your different systems. So you can be Lee at work, Lee with friends, Lee at home, and still have this problem, or whatever you want to call it, resolved. So wow. that really stuck out to me. That really spoke to me as like, this is different like i was mind blown from the first day literally i'm sitting here um, mind blown <laughs> you really know what you're talking about i hope so <laughs> yo that is crazy yeah oh so it gets deep okay it gets deep wow yeah. so mm-hmm. college was rough for you you mentioned until i got into my my and, major okay so i got into that major then my grades did a whole 180 and i was just i was killing it they was didn't good. give you no issues though because you were coming in with with not so great grades no because um I went to Lehigh University. It's a predominantly white institution, but yeah, they have they had a, <laughs> that's a whole different podcast episode. <laughs> um, they had a lot of supportive services for students of color, mm. um, and so it. Well, for me, I've always been the only black per- person in my grade in my class in my special gifted and talented program, what? whatever you want to call it. So I was used to that environment. Um, my mother groomed me for it i feel you know i was the last of her of her four kids she came here from jamaica raised four of us by herself and with me i think she was like okay you're going to be the one that i can give more to because i was last so by the time i came along she had her college degree she had a stable job my siblings didn't really have that but she gave all of us the same opportunities we all went to college we all you know had her help and her guidance and my mom just got her phd a year or two ago congratulations yeah so you're the sibling that siblings like me fought for <laughs> <laughs> i walk so you can run right <laughs> yo they're like we went to public school so you go to private school you know what i'm saying you know? you're the yeah. one so you you have your master's correct i have my master's in management family therapy and my doctorate in management and couples and family therapy it's the same thing i just learned how to spell that <laughs> <laughs> yo do you know how excited I am to talk to a black woman who owns a doctorate? Oh, thank that you. That is crazy. Thank you so much. Yeah, no problem, especially because I know I'm not getting one unless it's honorary. You could have one. No, Anybody can get a PhD. It's not about how smart you are. It's about how much you really want to just stick with it. And it's then you got to go back game. to school. Right. I'm not going back. Anybody can go back. You're right. Anybody can. If you want to. If you don't I'm want not. to, school's not for everybody, though. So I'm I don't not. promote it as, like, you have to go to school. Unless they say, listen, this is an honorary doctorate phd for you lee uh maybe maybe a year maybe in a year i'll revisit but where i'm sitting at today i ain't going back what would your doctorate be in if it was honorary if it was honorary it would be in maybe childhood education okay either childhood education or in something creative like maybe i would have went all the way with like videography and photography yeah it would be one of the two because like Right now, I, I teach kids. Okay. Um, but like, I've been like a coach. Mm-hmm. Nah, I should I should have said gym or something. Because <laughs> like, I love being a coach. Coaching is but that's me. important. That's I had a track me. coach since I was seven years old. Exactly. So now that she was very instrumental, and we couldn't come to practice if our grades weren't good. Exactly. She, that's me. She pulled out report cards more than my mom did. She, you know, she was on had us reading when we were going from to and from track meets. 
she was willing to mention all of us getting into yeah. college and being, you know, about something because we yeah. need that guidance. I mean, our parents were working. Not that they weren't there, but they were busy That's providing. That's me. Like, my yeah. kids, they know, like, if, if this stuff is not taken care of, I don't care right. if, if they smacking us. You're not playing. Yeah, That's my fiance coaches is. high school football, and he's the same way. He's very, you know, hard on them, but for the good reason. It would have to be one of those three. That's it would not, have to be, yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Maybe, let's take out childhood education. Now that I think about it, they gave me <laughs> kindergarten this semester. I don't really like you it. You don't want that. No, no. Let's just do gym <laughs> and photography because the kindergarten. You want the, the fun classes. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, need, I don't even want to coach peewees. No. Okay. I, I'm really good. I've done peewee. I like it. They're amazing. I'm really good with the high schoolers. And, okay. And I would even want to do college. That's yeah, dope. Yeah, it would be that. But right now, I ain't going back to school. No. 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 That's, that's a headache and a half. I don't blame you. That's numbers lot. that I can't even say out loud. Yeah, it's a no. lot. But did when you before you transferred and stuff, did you think maybe this ain't for me? Maybe I should just get a job? Did, did you have that little... In college? Yeah. Did you have that? In college, no. In grad school, definitely. Yeah? Yeah. In college, I... I College was a given. Like it was like you know, of course you're gonna finish college. Everybody finishes college. I almost mm-hmm. didn't though because I was dropping classes like crazy as a sophomore. Mm-hmm. When I went to register for my last semester, I needed I think twenty two or twenty one credits, mm-hmm. and so I did this super crazy six class thing where I had an internship, I had an independent study, I had all these things going on just to finish on time with my you know people I started with, um, and that I remember that moment I realized that I called my mother and I was crying and she was like well okay you, you've cried now what are you gonna do how are you gonna fix it and so I I fixed it figured it out it had to happen in grad school it wasn't a grad school was a lot I had just I moved to Valdosta Georgia which is a small backwards like not up to this day and time kind of place very racist um, and I had never really experienced outward racism in the way that I experienced it in Valdosta what they do to you <laughs> I immediately want to know so what they did to the, you. My first experience down there, I tell no lies, I was living there for maybe two or three weeks, and school had just started. So I made my first friend that I made was a girl, a white girl from North Carolina. I was supposed to live with her, but we ended up living together. So finally, we were friends because of that whole email back and forth of moving in with me or not, whatever. The school is a big football town. So um, it was homecoming. And they shut the whole town down for the homecoming parade. Me and her go to the parade. So it's me, a black woman, and with white woman. We walk to, like, Main Street, literally Main mm-hmm. Street. And the parade's coming. So we're like, okay, where are we going to sit? There happened to be space on one side of the street. I didn't realize we were sitting on the white side of the street. Because what? across from me was all black people. And these black women were looking at me. They're like, get over here. What are you doing over there? Come over here. So I'm looking around like... Who are they talking to? And when I looked around, I realized that it was all white people on the outside of the street. And that it was just me. But it, I was so oblivious to it because I was just like, oh, we're going to the parade. No big deal. That was the first thing. The second thing was my car broke. To, I think I had a flat one time. And one of my white male um, classmates came with me to the auto repair shop, you know, gave me a ride, whatever, waited for me. He was dressed about to go see clients. So he has on, you know, professional clothes. I was in whatever, jeans, whatever it is. And the older white man helping us, he was so sweet, so nice, until my classmate left. So when he leaves to go to class or wherever, the guy comes over to me. He's like, oh, is that your boss? And I'm like, oh, no, it's my classmate. We're in grad school together at the the college. He's like, oh, okay. Again, not thinking anything of it. I go back to class, see my classmate. I'm like, oh, the craziest thing happened when you left. The guy asked me if 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 you were my boss. And he got mad. And he's like, I'm going back down there right now. I'm like, wait, what are you so mad about? He's like, Racine, why would he not think that you were my girlfriend? Or my wife. Why would he assume that I was your boss, that you were working for me? Right. And I was like, oh, my God. So the whole class is up in arms. Everybody's angry, wants to go down there and beat the guy up. And I was just like, wow, this is Your real. white class wanted to beat that white man up. Yeah, there were some black people, other people, black people black, in the class, too. Like but that. we were having these discussions about race. You know, mm-hmm. we just had this conversation about, um, oh, I can't remember the lady's name, but she has this book about unpacking the backpack white people about, like, the things that they carry as, like, a burden of, of like, yeah. their burden of, you know, of white supremacy and white privilege. And it's really powerful. It was, it was really, she came down to school. It was a real great presentation. And so, you know, we had those conversations about slavery and being in South Georgia and just all these different things. Like, we went to Wendy's one time, me and the same classmate, and we're sitting there, and the only black people in Wendy's were me and the people working there. 
Damn. Everybody else is looking at us like, what is what's happening? How is this white man having lunch with this black woman? But the craziest thing is that there's so many interracial relationships in that town that it doesn't make any sense that people are so racist. It just it doesn't add up. It was just it was crazy. So long story short, that whole experience, um, I wanted to be a therapist, but at the same time I was like, I'm 23 years old, 24 years old. Like, I just want to live. I, I can, you know, I can have the master's degree. You don't need a PhD in my field. So I'm like, I can just go ahead and get a job, open up my practice and live life. But I wanted to have a PhD because I wanted to teach. And I was told by my professor at the time, you couldn't teach really if you didn't have a PhD because you get passed over for, you know, for jobs. So in the doctorate program, I definitely felt like I'm good on this. I can just go ahead and and do everything I want to do with my life and not have to finish this degree because it was hard and it was taking a long time. Um, I got pregnant during my PhD program, like towards the end of it. So that was really like, I just want to be a mom. I don't want to have to do this anymore. I got to finish this big paper that I'm working on for, you know, all these years. And then my paper was about black men and slavery. So writing that was like an emotional roller coaster and all these different things I was learning and just, feelings I was having about, you know, black people and Obama. I remember when he, when he became president, I was living in Georgia. I remember sitting in my living room crying tears when he was being inaugurated. And Let me ask so, you something about Obama. Does mm-hmm. it does it take away from the fact um, that he made presidency because he's biracial for you? Does it take anything um, away? It doesn't take it away. I think it keeps in perspective that I don't think America would not would have voted into presidency a dark skinned black man. I think him being biracial, him being lighter skin gives him privilege. Mm-hmm. Um and I think it, it made most of white America comfortable with him. That he was one of those Because he's okay blacks. Exactly. You know? Yeah. I like that you said it. So taking nothing away from him and of course in his presidency and the amazing things that he represented just being president as a black man. But I think if he were darker skinned yeah, I don't. I don't think he would have been elected. Okay, we feel the same way. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Glad we're in agreement. Yeah, I'm so happy. So why 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 therapy though? Did you did you were you introduced to therapy as a child at all? No, uh-huh. no. My family is Jamaican. There's no therapy. We can't do that in home. We're not. Yeah, we're not going to therapy. Um, I I liked. I think I've always been that friend that like that people came and talked to. I think that people sort of smell that being a therapist on me or something because people are always talking to me about things I should not know. Like it's not my business that you have going on in your life, but they just feel compelled to share. Mm -hmm. And I've always been able to sort of hold a person's experiences and their pain and, you know, and be there. I like to think that I, you know, I like to be there for people. So um, it just fit very naturally. It just made sense. It feels like when I found therapy I found myself in that really cliche you know kind of way but I don't think I would I think there are a lot of other things I want to do with therapy with my life but I think I always want to be sitting across from somebody else who's being vulnerable and and trusting me with their life what made you what made you want to focus on family and um well family first because you know when you when you start to unpack family issues Mm -hmm. it becomes very heavy yeah Anything is heavy. I just feel like the family structure, we find a lot of trauma there. Yeah. So why 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 did you want to do that? You, well, by just, this time, I'm sorry, by the ahead. time you decided that you was going to focus on that, you had your kid, your daughter. No, I was always in the... So I started doing magic family therapy back in Georgia. Okay, so this okay, was, okay. But this was when I was straight out of undergrad going into a okay, master's okay. program. Um, and I didn't want to focus on families. I wanted to focus on couples, really. But oh, okay, with okay. that came the family, family. you know? Okay. And I want to focus on couples because I think that relationships are crazy. I think it's crazy. Like, the idea of here you are as a person going through life, whatever experiences you're having. You meet somebody else who's going through life, experiences they're having. And y'all, too, somehow figure something out. And you're now, like, in love and dating and together over time. If you think about that, like, it, it's it's unreal, right? That, like, it's mm-hmm. crazy that even happens and the people stay together for decades and decades or even for just three weeks like it's it it makes me feel like wow how do people do this do you know how long have you and your husband been together my fiance i mean your fiance i'm sorry no it's okay it's okay um we've been together for going on seven years okay so this is perfect Mm -hmm. i actually love the number seven so (laughs) you guys have been together for seven years yes as a therapist Uh you having the behind the scenes mental has that ever gotten in the way 
has it ever been a time where it's like, babe, you literally didn't have to say all of that? <laughs> like, 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 has, has your has your fiance been like, yo, what are you talking about? Yes. <laughs> um. So when I met him, I was in the PhD program and okay. I was studying for my licensure exam. Mm. And so every night at dinner, I had these like um flashcards, and we were living together already. So he would go through flashcards with me, whatever. And That's so some, nice. It was really cute. He's been he's really supportive. He's really great. So at some point. He remembered like two or three phrases, and so every now and then he'll throw them out there when we're talking. And I'm like, "What the hell are you talking about?" He's like, "Yeah, because you know I have a therapy degree too, and I have a license too." And so he, um, yes and no. So he does. He will say, you know, like you're being a therapist right now, or like you know, don't therapy me. But yo, the, I say that he to my therapy that. friends. But at the same time, the way that he thinks about things, like his intelligence is on this other level where he processes things sort of like similarly to how I process things. So we'll have these like really profound conversations and discussions about other people and other things, even about ourselves, you know, and he can connect those dots and he can be on that same wavelength. So yeah, he might feel like you're being a therapist right now, but there's sometimes when he says things that are like, damn, wait, are you like, are you trying to be a therapist right now? Like what's going on? You know? <laughs> um, so that works out well. It doesn't really get in the way so much. Okay. Um, as I feel like it, it, it blends nicely. Okay. So, with you still having this profound understanding of how people work and and especially Mm -hmm. how they work together, have you been able to get your relationship out of certain out of the way of certain obstacles before they've come? No, no, no. I would like to think that we did. Um, I no, I think that I think I sort of grew up in my relationship. You know, this oh, is my first. Beautiful. This is my first um, long term <laughs> relationship. I want to say that. <laughs> I think we're still growing up. I think we're still figuring it out. You know, I think that we we have very different backgrounds, but we're we have sort of the similar values. We have different approaches to life. We don't agree on much of anything really. Um, but at the end of the day, I think that we understand that you know we have each other and with each other for a reason mm-hmm. and there's some need in a healthy way about it. You know, there's of course desire of like, I want to be with you and just figuring it out. I think I've learned what being committed and what a commitment is by being with him. Okay. Do you get a lot of black clients? Yes, I do. So my practice that I have, um, in Brooklyn and Manhattan, I see primarily black Ooh, multiple clients. locations. She's totally yeah, crazy. like <laughs> let's not get too excited. Um, I I see more black clients in Staten Island. I see more white clients, but I think we're starting to get more black people into therapy in Staten Island as well. That's good that you said that. I was expecting you to say no because, well, at least where I'm from, therapy isn't something that we don't do that. Yeah, we don't do that at all. But I think that. This generation now is so focused on, like, being happy. And, you know, and and therapy is, like, a cool thing now. Everybody has therapists. Everybody goes to therapy, you know. And a lot of my <laughs> clients are black women who feel like I need to get something together. Like, I don't want to live like this anymore. My mom, I see her go through this. I don't want to go through the same thing she went through emotionally and, you know, mentally. I think therapy is an option now in a different way. There are a lot of apps mm. for therapy. There's a lot of, like, you know, you can call in for a therapist. You can text your therapist, all those sorts of things. So... I think happily um, that that therapy is growing with the culture, but I still think that there's enough stigma to keep people of color out of therapy um, when there shouldn't be because therapy is everybody. Would you say that therapy is something that we can grow out of or is it something we should always stay in and and discuss? No, I don't believe that you should always be in therapy. I don't believe that. No, I think therapy can be temporary. I think it can be something you go in and out of. I think that it can be situational. So if you have a really traumatic experience or if you have a death or your you know, a life change, you can go to therapy to handle that situational thing and then move on. Um, my hope is that my clients get enough tools for me that they can go off in life and face whatever comes and check in if they want to, but not feel like they need to. Mm-hmm. I don't think that you need to be. Some people do need to be in therapy forever because of their mental illness or their mental health issues or needs Mm -hmm. but i don't think that universally everybody should be in therapy forever i think everybody should go to a therapist universally um and be open to it as a process but not that you have once you're there you're stuck forever i don't think that i'm not that far yet i can't see myself without my (laughs) therapist right now (laughs) that's okay well you knowing that i think is a good sign too oh okay look at me see you're doing better than you think 
I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, I am. Today he told me I was doing good, so I believe that. But with, uh, with like, I know you can treat anxiety mm-hmm. and um, you can work on personal development and stuff. Yeah. What, what is the the treatment for, like an anxiety? What is that? What goes into that? Because, you know how people are on meds for stuff like that. Yeah. With your treatment and coming to you, mm-hmm. do you successfully get them off of the meds and then they don't have anxiety anymore? Or is it like balancing, okay, I took my meds, I mm-hmm. still kind of feel it, but now I have tools that she gave me that yeah. I can calm that. I think there's different levels of it. Okay. Like There's a spectrum for every disorder, every mental illness, even anxiety, depression, all those things. I think that it can look so many different ways. There's no one way to treat any of these things. So I'm I don't prescribe medication I can't legally. Mm. So but I can manage a person's medication that they're using. So I think if you're on medication you should be in therapy. Okay. Bottom line. Okay. Um because you need somebody else who's specifically trained to watch what's happening with you while you're on the medication. Even if you've been on it for years, maybe you need to get off of it now. Maybe we need to change medication. And sometimes being, you know, like you can't see the forest for the trees because you're the one that's in it and somebody else who's giving you that feedback and on the outside can say to you here's what I'm seeing that maybe you're missing in terms of the medication, how it's interrupting your life or how it's not compatible with where you want to get to. I don't ever tell my clients you should get off medication or say should. If they want to stay on it, fine, let's stay on it and let's work with it. I was going in next though. Mm-hmm. What happens when you have a client who you believe is a great candidate to not be on meds anymore, but mm-hmm. they just don't see it for themselves? I would do several things. The first would be I would ask their permission to talk to the person who prescribes the medication so that we can talk as professionals about what they're seeing, what I'm seeing, what my concerns are, what their thoughts are. I would also want them to bring in somebody in their family, somebody close to them, who can give more context to how they act when they're on the medication versus off of it. If they've taken lapses of trying to get themselves off of it and then using it again or mixing it with other things and you know, mm-hmm. um, I don't think medication is like this big, horrible, scary devil. But I do think that we are in a culture that is so quick to medicate that I often ask clients who are on medication, you are like, what made you start you taking the medication? Some people just take it because they think they should, because they read something online or because their friend takes it. So they want to take it. They have no real reason or no one said who's professionally trained. You should be on this specific medication for this specific reason, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so back to your question about treating anxiety. So there's a spectrum of it. And I always ask people if they come in saying, I have anxiety, where'd you get that word from? Right. Who told you you have anxiety? Again, did you just read this online? Did you go to WebMD and put some things in and now you have anxiety? (laughs) Did your friend tell you you have anxiety because she has anxiety too? You know, what does that really mean? Because most times it's not that you have anxiety. It's that you have some trauma that you haven't resolved or healed from, or something's happening in your life that you don't know how to cope with. And that's making you worry. Sometimes you're just not sleeping and eating properly, you know? So there's always some investigative work on my end around what is really happening for this person beyond what they're labeling it as. Because label doesn't always reflect what's actually happening, you know, in their life. Okay, that was deep. That was deep. I had to think about my own life. Wow. You're like, wait a minute, do I have anxiety? Facts. That's exactly what I was thinking. Yo. Yo. So... With you, you you're doing basically you're you're giving back to the community by helping them get themselves together. Mm-hmm. How has that changed the way you love people and the way you you specifically deal with people? I think it's made me a lot more compassionate and understanding of of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm always asking why like why did that happen you know why did this person say or do this thing it's i don't think it's ever as simple as a surface explanation of oh because they're an asshole or because they don't like me (laughs) you know it's like something's happening for that person that maybe they don't know how to handle and not that that excuses what you felt what they did to you but nothing happens in the vacuum right so there's other layers behind why all these things are going on and i think if we if we gave each other that sort of like benefit of the doubt then i think we could realize that Yes, we're we're different. I don't believe that. Oh, we're all people, so we're all the same. No, we're we're different, right? Yeah, we we all bleed the same, but we all are different. We all have different experiences, different backgrounds, different belief systems, and that's fine. But I think we all seem to respect the fact that we have this shared experience of pain. We've all felt pain one way or another. Mm-hmm. And I think pain can be something that unites us versus repelling us from each other. Mm-hmm. 
You know, I think that's a, a good way to sort of empathize and, and find community because you all, you know what pain feels like. Wow. Yeah, you're absolutely. Damn, you came in here with the gems. <laughs> <laughs> I had to lower my voice, too. You came in here with you the gems. You have to get in the mood. <laughs> <laughs> Yo. No, because I'm really thinking about everything that you're saying and I can see where, yeah, things. Think, I see things differently just from speaking to you. Oh, I appreciate That's that. Crazy. Thank you. Yeah, I can't. I can't say that too much stuff because I got a therapist. So. <laughs> I can't be cheating. No, you, know, you can't treat your therapist. Cheating. I'm very. I don't loyal. promote that. You gotta say with <laughs> your therapist. Yo, the name of your practice. Say it for me. I don't want to say it wrong. It's Sankofa Marriage and Family Therapy. And Sankofa means one must go back in order to go forward. Yes. What language is that? It's from. Um, the Tui language, I believe it's pronounced T W I or T U I. I've seen it spelled both ways. It's um, a West African language, so it's a folklore. It's a bird. Zenkofa is a bird, mm-hmm. and if you see the bird, it is flying forward but looking backward, and there's an egg in its mouth. So the bird is flying into the future, bringing, you know, flying in the present, bringing the future with it, but also looking at the past. So what's happened in oh, your past? What fun. about your past? can inform your present and your future. And with black people in this country, I think that's even more important of we have this unique history of slavery in this country, and now we're here living in this country. Mm-hmm. And so I think that Sankofa sort of just perfectly describes our experience, that there's so much we can learn from slavery and from you know what's happened in the past and to help us get to a different future, for sure. Oh, that was cute. That was me. I don't respect myself. <laughs> That was me. So, where did you get that? That that's like first of all, that explanation is so fire. That's fire. But where like where where did you get that? I know that wasn't a one and done. I know you didn't just think. No, I was exposed to Sankofa by um, this mentor friend I have, whose name is Adisa Ajamu, Mm -hmm. and he's this really dope um, black. I don't want to misrepresent him, but I see him as a philosopher. He's a social scientist. He's just this overall dope person. And um, I met him at a fellowship think tank, and he became sort of part of our family at, at my doctorate program. And to this day, he was on my doctorate um, dissertation committee. You know, he's someone that I I look up to and who's, you know, exposed to a lot of different Afrocentric ideas and Afrocentric um, themes about life. Mm-hmm. He's always putting these really dope things on Facebook, and he always ends it as black love is black power. Um, and that I think oh, that's, is just, that's so that's true. describes him perfectly. So that's so true. Yeah. Do you keep a panel of people around you who are everything that you you want to see and that that you want to be, but are black? Okay. Yeah, I I have people around me who are black and those who are not black as well. I think that my inner circle is made up of people who. I think I present what I believe to be the best about the world. So I have a friend who is, who's also a therapist, who is super um, analytical. She's very much like processing things and breaking things down. And so why did this happen? If that happened, then why did that happen? So I love that about her. Then I have a friend that I can just be silly with. It always makes me laugh and always sort of like brings me back down. You know, then I have my sisters who keep me humble and remind me like, don't get too cute. We can still beat you up. You're still a little sister, you know? Um, and I have other friends who are not black and whose families are not from this country who, you know, expose me to all different kinds of culture and food and ideas and experiences and language and religion and just different things that, that black people in my life expose me to as well. Um, I don't make a point to only have black people around me, but I think that I've realized in my doctor program was the first time that I had professors who were black people and black men and women. And that's what drew me to that program. Mm. And I learned a lot about my sort of black heritage and black culture um, as a black American. So I think my mother did a really great job of teaching us about Jamaican history and about, you know, Jamaican culture and just all these different pieces that made a lot of sense in Jamaica. But here in this country, like, it doesn't sort of translate the same way. And so... um I feel like I had a sort of awakening in my doctoral program about my blackness in a way. Um, it was the first time that I wasn't the only in the room. You know, it's the first time that I wasn't the only in an academic setting and having these conversations about, you know, 
when I'm telling stories about growing up and being in the gifted and talented program and only being, being the only black kid in the school, have my professor challenge me on why do you think that happened? It's not because you're the only, only smart black kid in the, in the neighborhood. They didn't give anybody else a chance. They had you and that was it. They were good. And I was like, oh my God. Did that never, like, I know you say you were groomed for it, but did it never bother you that you were the only black person? It bothered me all the time to okay. the point where, like, my mom, we, so we moved to Staten Island from Brooklyn when I was about six or seven years old. Okay. And I was in one school for maybe two months, a month, and they didn't have the program there. So she moved me to the school that had the Gifts and Talents program. And I cried every day of second grade because I wanted to be with my friends who were black in the other school. And she said, you can't be with them. You have to be in this school because you have to, you know, be in a class that challenges you. You have to learn. You can't just be in school to play and have fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I mean, I, the good thing is, is that I had a track team that was black people, black and Latino people. And those are my friends since I was seven years old. We're still friends to this day, me beautiful. and those women. So, the like, I didn't realize I was, I was missing anything because I had them, I had my family, and then I had my school friends. So I feel like I had a pretty well-rounded, you know, experience and so I realized that it was, yeah, well-rounded, but it was limited in a lot of ways, okay. you know. And okay. so I started traveling a lot more, too, when I was in my early 20s and realizing, like, of course, there's this whole big world out there, all these different people. And so, yeah, I don't know. I I think that um, I didn't realize it until I realized it. You know, like, you don't know what you're missing until you find right. it kind of thing. Yeah. So then when it hit me, I was like, oh, wow, that changes my whole entire life. When you when you leave a session, right? Mm-hmm. Let's say you you had one of your most intricate sessions. How do you lay those those burdens down and not take that <laughs> home with you? You got a whole family to tend I to. I know, how, right? How do you do um, this? I've been a therapist for about ten years now, so I've That's learned amazing. along the way how to separate the two. I care about my clients very deeply, but I also know like how to turn it off to a certain extent. Mm. So, if it's something that excuse me, it's just really emotional and really heavy, I call my mom always. I always mm-hmm. call her like this thing just happened because she's so, my mother can compartmentalize emotions really well. Mm-hmm. So she'll be like, yeah, that was sad. Did you eat today? Like, what's happening? You know what I mean? <laughs> you and I'm like, that, damn, mom. Like, I'm telling you. She's like, no, I hear you and I get it. It was sad, but what can you do? You can't save them, you know? And then I'll call my therapist friends who can help me sort of put in perspective of, well, you're doing the right thing with them therapeutically and here's why and whatever. And then I call my fiance because I'm going to see him mm-hmm. before anybody else just to prepare him like, look, this happened. And he's like, all right, when you come home, you know, we'll talk about it. And he always makes time and space to talk about it. And he'll be like, so what do you need? And, you know, how are you okay? And do you talk to this person and that person? They can help you, you sort of figure it out or, you know, work through it. Um, but I leave sessions sometimes and I cry because people are going through some really horrible and hard things. Mm-hmm. You know, I have thankfully colleagues i can reach out to that you know in the moment like next door or wherever but um it's hard it's really hard to be a therapist and i try to make a point to have moments where i'm not being a therapist like with my daughter i'm not a therapist i'm just Just you know just a mom um and trying to be present with her and then you know my family and friends and just finding ways to balance it out i think is really important i think damn i I don't know how you how you yeah cuz I was just about to say I I think I need to get into that. I need to learn how to separate how to yeah. do some self-care. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that but like even to compartmentalize. Like sometimes your friends just come to you or like come to me with stuff. I'd be like, "Damn, I'm sad now." Yeah. You got to how to say I no. to have a good day. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think I think saying no is so powerful, you know, and people think it's selfish. And I think, yeah, it should be selfish. I think you should be selfish. Yeah. Selfish with your energy, with your time, with, like, your mental capacity of just saying, today is not the day for you and the drama. I love you, and I, I want to hear about it, wow. but I just can't today. For me, I can't. Wow. And they might not like that, but... They're not you can't give like from that. empty well, right? You can't. Right, you can't. Right. So if you need time to recharge and to sort of get back to you, mm-hmm. to keep being that good friend to them, they have to figure it out on their own, just for that day at least, you know, mm-hmm. just to be like, I need a moment. Right. I heard that every therapist needs a therapist. Is that true or not? I listened to that episode of your. Podcast. You did? Yeah, that's what I heard. I did. I like that. Um, I think that every therapist should be in therapy, not all the time. Again, not all the time, but right. I think that my therapy changed after I started seeing a therapist. 
And so when I was in grad school, they encouraged all of us to go to therapy just to see what it'd be like for our clients to be a client. Mm -hmm. And I was like, sure, I'll do it, you know, whatever. Um, And it was great. I loved it. I think therapy is dope. Obviously, I'm a therapist, but um, I think it's scary as hell. I don't know how people come back every week and do it all over again. I think it's a lot to walk into a stranger's office and be like, here are the most intimate and important parts of my life for you to know and hear about. And hopefully you don't judge me and hopefully you help me. Maybe you won't. I don't know. I'm going to take this chance to see what happens. That's crazy. That's literally how I'm not Really? That's what happens. And then they come back next week like, so, now that you heard about me, here's yeah. more about me. How do you remember all of this, though? Like, I just asked my therapist today, like, yo, why you never messed up none of my friends' names? <laughs> he was like, what? I'm like, why you never messed up? Like, how do you remember all of this stuff? Well, in grad school, they didn't let us take notes in session. So... I learned, I'm very good at like, if you tell me something, I'm looking at you and I hear you say it, I can remember what you said. So that helps. Like, the minute I see my client, I remember, okay, this is this person, their name and their age and their life and so what's happening. You know, mm. I take notes after the session, but okay. in the moment, I'm just trying to figure out what's going on and how can I help? Like, where can we sort of get this change happening that you want to have happen? That's so, crazy. Yeah, it's you're you're like using it. your mind to its fullest potential. That's my, I hope my so. Issue. Yeah, like they say, like the human mind is like a computer. You're yeah, you're using your computer. A lot of things. Yeah, I need to get mine fixed. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need to call yeah. the Geek Squad. You know what I'm saying? I need to get mine fixed. That's your therapist is for. Me and him, like I just thought it was weird that he's never messed up a name. Yeah, but I I was proud I because was it's like, unique to you. It's it's your story, and so those people fit into. I mean, listen, there's a lot of bad therapy out there. Facts. I've heard horror stories from my clients about things they've experienced and things that they've gone through and I and it's disgusting to me to you know to hear that because it shouldn't be that way therapy I think is again a very intimate and vulnerable thing and you don't play with that somebody's real life you know Mm -hmm. um so those people aside, I think the rest of us who are doing good work, you know, we, we figured it out. Like, you figure out therapy is not for everybody on both ends. I'm not the therapist for every single person that walks into my office. And therapy itself is not the right thing for everybody at, at that point in their life. How do you break up with somebody, though, if you're not the right therapist? Because it's about them. It's not about me. It's about you need help that I can't give you for whatever reason. Maybe it's mm-hmm. because I'm black. Maybe it's because I'm younger. Maybe it's because I'm, you know, a woman or whatever. Mm-hmm. And that's okay. Because okay. if I'm there to help you as a, my client, then my feelings don't matter about you saying, oh, I don't want to come see you, Dr. Henry. Okay. Have you had Who people you tell you, yo, I don't want to see you because you're black or because you're a woman? Listen, people have told me all kinds of things. And that, and that don't piss you off? <laughs> it does. Of course it pisses me off. But at the end of the day, oh, like, that's their problem. It's not mine. Like, you're the one that's in therapy. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shit. Like, good point. Good point. That's no, that's mean. Point. That's mean. No, no, that's but, no, but seriously, it it hurts. But again... I'm here to help people, you know? Right. Yes, my feelings matter. And yes, you know, I'm a human being. So when you say things that are offensive, I'm going to be offended. At the same time, it's not about me. This mm-hmm. is about you and the help that you need. So I've had people tell me that I'm too young to be a therapist. I'm not married. What do I know about marriages? I didn't have a kid. What do I know about being a parent? And you're right. I don't know anything about those things you're going through because this is your life. You're the expert on your life. My role here is to facilitate change. I'm not here to tell you who you are, how you should be. Mm-hmm. So if you come in saying, I have five wives and I have three cats I sleep in bed with, and that's okay with me. I just want to get a different job. Okay, cool. Let's work on you getting a different job. The rest of that stuff is not my business. That's that's your <laughs> life. That's what you want to do. Huh. I'm all for it. Wow. Your normal is my normal. And that's it. There's no judgment. There's no absolutes of this how things should be. Yes, when things are healthy or unhealthy is the, is the difference. But right or wrong, that's not my place to say. Legal and illegal are different. Right. Healthy and unhealthy are different. But right or wrong, that's not for me to determine for you. Who are you talking heavy? <laughs> you have you an are so funny. <laughs> Thank you. Sometimes. You are gassing me up in here. I'm nah, the leaf here like, I'm the best therapist in the world. That's a fact. Yep, as you should. Yep. No. <laughs> yes, you are. And you black and you a I woman. So that. I really feel like you're the best anyhow. Oh, I appreciate you. Yeah, Thank but you. if my therapist hears this, I I'm I know, joking. right? She was just joking. Don't listen to her. <laughs> that's a fact. It was just a joke. She has to all the guests like, that. <laughs> Yo, you have an event coming up. This is how I finally got. I was going to yeah. ask you, how did you find me? Okay, so <laughs> I want to say Papiando. Oh, yes. That's my homeboy. That's your man. Mm-hmm. It had to be him. Had to be. Yes, it was him. It was him. He posted about the event. He did. And I do this thing where I just prospect. And uh, I That's went so to dope. your page. 
checked it out because I, I, the event sounded so cool. Mm-hmm. And it's it's unlike anything I've seen, something I think is so necessary. And I was like, all right, figure this out. Mm-hmm. I want and, and usually it's it's not too extensive, but I at least check out everything else. Right. I saw the event. I went to the page, saw it had an email tab, and just shot the <laughs> shot. Like, that's it. So you read my bio, shot. nothing, just like, here. Didn't even wow, care. Wow, girl felt but special then, until now. Yeah. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, all of that came after. Once, like, I hit you, and you hit me right back. And I was like, this is amazing. But then I did my homework on you. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yo, this is crazy. Like, like I, I searched the site, yeah. all of that, but... Your social media, uh-huh. you check Google, all of that. And I'm like, yo, but I've when I started therapy, I wanted to go to a black person. Mm-hmm. I realized how how difficult that can be in some areas and, you know, with insurances and stuff. Yeah. And f- when, I saw, when I first saw you, I said, nah, I'm glad I sent that email. <laughs> didn't even, like, didn't even try to see what people were saying. I was like, oh, I'm glad really I sent sweet. that email. Because I want to see somebody that looks like me. Yeah, I want. I, I want. That. Yeah, I want my people to to be comfortable in therapy. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm blessed that I found somebody who's not black, but I'm still so very comfortable. Right. But that doesn't. That's not always the case. Like now, my friends are like, "Yo, I want to go to therapy," and I'm like, "You know, it's kind of like dating. It's, you it's, have to shop around. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah, I tell you got to. You got to move. Don't I, settle on the first person that makes you smile. You know, you right. have to keep looking. You got to right. keep going on different dates. For my sure. man, that looking back. And, and especially talking to you and talking to my friends, you know, I didn't, I didn't take my advice, but it, it worked. <laughs> it worked. Our date, our first date was amazing. That's listen. Times it happens that way. Yeah, but mm-hmm. like I've, I've heard my friends' stories, and I'm just like, nah, you need to move ASAP. Yeah. And even from what I'm getting from them, you know, like when where people can, are like, scared to do that though, and they feel like I don't want to hurt their feelings, but not coming back. Don't yeah, worry about our feelings. I've I'm t- heard any that. Any therapist who says my feelings are hurt if you don't come back, that's the wrong therapist. You should definitely leave them immediately. Right. You know, any therapist that doesn't encourage you to shop around, call different people. You know, call me back if you need to. Mm-hmm. I had people call me back months later, like, "Oh, yeah, we spoke last year. And I might see somebody else. I want to come and see you." No hard. Like, okay, great. Let's see if we can work together. If not, I'll let you know that immediately. I tell my clients. We need to have transparency. So if this isn't working for you, please tell me so I can get you somebody else who is working. Don't waste your That's time so coming to see me like, because you, this is about your life and your healing, you know, yeah. and I'm getting in the way of that. That's not what I'm out here for. I've even had people ask me if there's, like, a way to search black therapists. There are. There, there, are, two, there are two new ways to search for black female therapists and black male therapists. It's therapy, for, therapy for black girls. Started by this really dope, I think she's a clinical psychologist, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford. Um, It's called Therapy for Black Girls. It's a national directory of black female therapists. And it'll tell you if they're taking insurance, they're taking new clients, where they're located at, what they specialize in. She's so amazing to even start this whole directory. Shout out to you, Dr. Joy. Um, And then there's, I think, one called Therapy for Black Boys or Black Men. Mm. That's the same thing, just males. See, we we have these discussions in, in my text messages, and we feel like we're crazy mm-hmm. for even thinking that. Like, yo, why would we search like just black yeah. therapists? Because, but I think that's and people feel b- like bad coming mm-hmm. in and saying that. But what do you feel bad about? This is about what you need. So if you feel like I need somebody that looks like me to understand my experience, go and get that. You deserve that for yourself. Mm-hmm. And I tell my white clients the same thing. Maybe you talk to a white therapist who you feel like you're better connected with. That's perfectly mm-hmm. okay. Damn, you put a lot of things in perspective. <laughs> but tell me about this event. So my event is called A Palette for Love. It is, um, it's a couples therapy event, something I've been working on for the last few years, just been too scared to really just pull the trigger on it. And this year, I keep telling everybody it feels different. I just want to take risks and see what happens this year. So um, it's happening February 16th in Brooklyn. Um, It's a, so I, I love food. I love cooking. Anybody that knows me knows I'm always eating something really good. I'm always going to the, a restaurant that's really good. I love food so much. And I've always wanted a way to combine food and therapy. So I've developed this, this method that I'm still trying to you know iron out a little bit of having couples um, come together and do some cooking exercises that are therapeutic. You know, having a meal together, but also working on their therapy goals while eating, while cooking together, literally cooking together. Um, and so I'm throwing the event just to see, you know, what sticks, what works, get some feedback from some, from some folks, promote love, you know, of all kinds. I want all couples to come, LGBTQ couples, straight couples, anybody can come. 
and um, we'll see what happens. I'm planning to have another one in the springtime for single people because my single friends cursed me out when they saw it. So we're gonna. (laughs) They were like, "What the hell are you doing?" (laughs) So I'm gonna have another one for single people. I want to have a few of these, like make it a series of events just to promote again food and therapy. I think goes so hand in hand. So trying to make that happen. That's beautiful. I like what you're doing. Thank you. Yeah, you out here killing it. I, I really <laughs> I'm like trying. it. I'm trying. Um, tell people where they can find you. Um, check you out. How they can book you. You booked them busy. Yeah. <laughs> um, my website is Sankofa Therapy NYC. Sankofa is spelled S as in Sam, A N as in Nancy, K like kangaroo, O F as in Frank, A Therapy NYC. It's the same for Instagram. And Twitter, I'm not really on Twitter that much. I need to get better at that. Yes, so. I'm checked. <laughs> <laughs> All right, way to put me a blast. Um, and then the website is com as well. So they can reach me there and find out more about the event there. There's also an Eventbrite link for it to um, a palette for love. Seats are selling fast, though, so sign up, please. What if uh, people want to come and, and set up a session? How do they know if they qualify, you know, with the insurance right. and stuff? So I don't take any insurance. Ooh. I know that's a that's a big um, roadblock that I'm trying to iron out right now. Mm-hmm. That may be changing soon. Mm-hmm. What happens alternatively is if you have out-of-network benefits, you can submit what's called a super bill. It's like a therapy receipt to your insurance company. And they'll reimburse you directly for the sessions. Mm-hmm. So um, my clients pay out of pocket. Unless you come to Staten Island, I can take ther- take insurance in Staten Island for therapy, but not in Brooklyn or Manhattan. Understood. Mm-hmm. Understood. Um, thank you for coming. Thank you for I, having me. This no was so problem. much fun. I'm so happy you had fun. I was so nervous. Why? I was nervous. I was nervous because you. <laughs> I, I mean, I've had my therapy friend, um, mm-hmm. but I don't know. It just is. It's just more intimidating when you put doctor in front no, of your name. No, but that's yeah. That's why I feel like I. I love being called doctor, but I also don't want people to feel like. Oh, you're a doctor, so I gotta talk to you That's like this. Exactly how I felt. No, <laughs> that is it. Yep, that was it. No, no, I'm just, I'm still racing, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, you are. You're, right. <laughs> you're like, but you're a doctor. doctor. I yeah, know. Right? Like, it, it, people get mad at me because I don't, I don't ever say that. I don't introduce myself that way because I, I think it's so pretentious to some extent. At the same time, I do understand that I earned that title, and right. in some in some arenas, you can't call me anything but Doctor Henry. Mm-hmm. But I don't want that to be like all that you see, or like a you know a deterrent because I'm still a person and I'm still I'm still me, you know. Wow, a doctor who can separate <laughs> magic, as you say, doctor. <laughs> <laughs> magic. Nah, I appreciate you for coming through. Thank uh, you for having me. Y'all Anytime. know what it is. Thank y'all for listening. I'm out of here. <laughs>